I'm a really huge advocate and believer in individuals making a change because yes, one person refusing a straw is not going to change the world. But actually, one person refusing a straw might make that one staff member think, actually, why do we have these? And then that triggers something. Hello and welcome to the Common Ground podcast. In a time of ecological and climate crisis, of rising inequality and social injustice, it can all seem just a little bit overwhelming. We get it. And that's why Common Ground brings you the stories of those driven by passion, who are striving fiercely to make our common home better for all who live here. Each week, we'll hear from a new guest who'll tell us all about the issue that spurred them to take action to help inspire you to create positive and meaningful change in the world. I'm your host, Chess Fernley, geographer, environmentalist and concerned global citizen. Well, hello and welcome to another week and another episode of the Common Ground podcast. I can't believe we're at episode six. My guest this week is the incredible Laura Young, or as you might know her, Les Boyce Laura. She's an environmentalist, a TEDx speaker and an ethical influencer. Laura's Instagram platform has over 36,500 followers, a platform that she uses to inspire daily, and she sees this as a space where we can learn together, covering everything from fast fashion to growing vegetables, all things that you need to know to live a life in greater harmony with the planet. Join us as we discuss her journey to the TEDx stage, piles of milk bottles, and the roles individuals play in creating change. I'm so pleased to be joined today by Laura Young, also known as Less Waste Laura. Thank you for joining me today. That's all right. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. I'd like, if possible, for you just to set the scene and give a brief overview to our listeners about sort of who you are and, and what you've been up to, if that's okay. Absolutely, yeah. So my name's Laura. I'm 23. I live in Glasgow. Um, I currently work for an international development charity called Tear Fund, but the reason Less Waste Laura is a sort of new name is because I run the environmental online platform, I guess you could say, on Instagram. So it's across social media, but I primarily use Instagram. It's a place where I advocate for living sustainably, living environmentally, and it's just a platform to kind of educate and, and show my life. Um, I like to say I'm sort of an ethical influencer. I'm just trying to influence people in a positive way. But I use my academic background quite a lot. So I did geography and environmental science um, at the University of Dundee. And then I did a master's uh, in environmental protection and management over in Edinburgh. But now I'm living and working in Glasgow, back where I grew up. And if we could sort of segue back to that journey, I would love for you to talk us through the process of how it was that you chose geography and how it was that you chose the university that you ended up going to? Absolutely so in Scotland you do your sort of well at the time it was called intermediate twos so you do kind of eight subjects and normally they're really varied and geography was one of them that I took so at this point I had no idea what I wanted to do I loved the outdoors. I've always loved going on holiday. I'm first in the ocean. I love to hill walk. I love Scotland. We have so much beauty. And when I did geography, I just felt like I'm, I was learning things that would be useful because when I was out and about, I could recognise things. And so I chose geography as a hire. So that's one of my five sort of big exams when I was in school. And I took it and I fell in love. I loved learning about maps and learning about 
the world and how it works and the deeper rooted sort of people um, issues that are entwined with that. And so after doing it for hire, I sort of knew that that was a passion of mine. I took on to what's called an advanced hire. And that's when I realized geography is something I'm passionate about. It wasn't that I had a job in mind. I just thought that's what I want to do. That's a passion I have. And I think I thought I just want to go to uni to study this and yeah. what happens next will happen. We'll see. So I started looking into universities in Scotland. We're really lucky that university is free. So yeah. I definitely knew that I wanted to go to a Scottish <laughs> university. Um, and I guess the reason I chose Dundee was a sort of mix of things. I didn't want to stay at home. So I chose not to go to Glasgow. Uh, Aberdeen seemed really far away, even though it's not in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> and I have family in Dundee. So I think for me, Dundee had my heart. So it just felt like a really good fit. Felt like a good match. Do you know, I love what, you, what you've said there because I'm a geography graduate as well. And th that's the thing about geography, isn't it? Is that you don't really have a, a career necessarily in mind. You just, it's one of those subjects where, if, as you say, like you love being outdoors, you love the subjects, you love learning about people and people environment interactions so that sort of basically set you up for what came next which was less waste laura so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about sort of how that started and and, and what, what what your first, first steps were absolutely so my journey actually began when i was in my final year of university so i went to uni in 2014 so i was finishing in 2018 so when 2018 hit so i'm talking hogmanay as we call it I was in my final few months, had a dissertation sort of looming over me and all of this academic knowledge about the world and the environment. But it was on New Year's Day, so me and my family go and spend Hogmanay with family friends in Ely, which is like near St Andrews on the east coast of Scotland. Yeah, and every year we have sort of celebrations and then go for a big New Year's Day walk. And on this walk, uh, you know, you've got white sand beaches and just miles and miles of coastline and it's a it's a good reflective time just to chat with one another think about the year ahead think about the year that's passed and we were chatting about new year's resolutions and i couldn't really think of one all the good ones were taken so i had to think <laughs> something creative and as we were walking along the beach uh i started to see kind of like rubbish so some of it from the night before bits of fireworks champagne bottles all those kind of things yeah. but then you start coming across like fishing rope and sort of old plastic pieces. And you start to think that actually the stuff that's here isn't, isn't new, it's not been here for 24 hours, it's been here maybe for 20 odd years. Yeah. And that really got me thinking that maybe it was because it was the 1st of January, your eyes are a bit more open to, to what's out there. I thought that's what I need to do. This year I want to reduce my impact on the planet. Whatever that looks like, I just want to reduce it. I thought it's disgraceful almost that I've studied this, but I yeah. don't actually take any of this onto myself. You know, I learn about it. And I think we just had Blue Planet. So we, ju we just seen that on our television screens. So I started in 2018, a New Year's resolution to live with less waste, live with less plastic was what I began with. And I got 10 days in and realized that people were asking me a load of questions. You know, you know, you talked about that brand of that thing. What was that thing? Or what was the, what was the tip you gave me about that? Or where do you find this? And so I realized I was messaging loads of people about my journey, even just 10 days in. And I thought I should write some of this down because instead of having to type all this out or continually refer people. So I'm not a 
I'm not a writer, a blog was not going to be the answer, but I thought an Instagram might work. It's short little captions of nuggets of information. I'm going to do that. And so I started an Instagram, called it Less Waste Laura, because I wanted to produce less waste. It was very <laughs> Makes sense. And yeah, I started that sort of 10 days into January. And that's very much what it was. It was a place to share my tips and tricks. And in the beginning, it was very basic. It was, here's a shampoo bar I found. Here's the pros, here's the cons. I would recommend this one. And then throughout 2018, 2019, and now till today, it's grown arms and legs and become much more than just plastic, which is what it was in the beginning. And it's now more a holistic view on a life and the lifestyle choices that I make. It's gone into fashion and travel and food. And now it's about equality and it's about people much more than it was in the beginning. And throughout that journey, I finished university and moved back home for a summer to work in a restaurant, then started the master's. So when I started the master's, a lot of it was also, here's some stuff I'm really privileged to learn. Let me share some of it with you. And so, yeah, it grew from there. And now it's two, I'm nearly a half years on and it's... Fair to say, it's absolutely blown up. You have a sort of really incredibly engaged following, um, which is just so lovely to see. But one of the sort of the opportunities that has come as a result of this was your absolutely fantastic TED Talk, which I loved. How, how was doing the TED Talk? And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the, the visual representation that you, that you show at the end of it, because I think that sort of speaks a lot to the power of individual action. And I was just wondering whether you had any thoughts on that. Absolutely. So the TED Talk came about almost as an accident. I was studying in Edinburgh. So the talk was TEDx Glasgow. Even though I'm from Glasgow, I wasn't living there at the time. And through a few connections, somebody said, you need to you need to apply for this. You need to put your name in for it. And so I did. And it was an amazing experience. I cannot recommend more people going for it because not only is it just an opportunity to get to see what you're passionate about in front of 3,000 people that might not have any interest in the environment, but they also train you really well and give you a lot of support and it really builds you up in the process. And so if nothing else, it, it, it felt nice to be invested in in that way. But I went to the sort of audition day and I think I rocked up just going to chat about what I thought would be interesting and there yeah. were people around me with notes and I thought, oh no, I'm out <laughs> Actually, I just went and said, I'm Laura, I'm passionate about this cause this is what I do and I'd love to have the opportunity to tell people about it and they ended up selecting me and they said it was actually just your raw passion for what you said and interestingly you have to put references down and they do contact them and say you know <laughs> you didn't come with a concrete thing but actually we could see she's passionate about it and so that took me on the track of I need to now come up with a chat that's going to hopefully leave people feeling inspired because what I didn't want to do is go up and be doom and gloom for eight minutes and almost guilt trip people into making a change so what I thought was I'd love to just leave people thinking about actually I can make a difference or there's a really tangible thing I can do sometimes TED talks are amazing but leave you a bit paralyzed and so I thought I just I'd love to leave them with something I'm a really huge advocate and believer in individuals making a change because yes one person refusing a straw is not going to change the world. But actually, one person refusing a straw might make that one staff member think, actually, why do we have these? And then that triggers something. I wanted to leave with an example, but if you think about straws, it's not really relevant to everyone. Or you think about plastic bags, also not relevant to everyone. So what does every person in the world use? So I was pondering over, is there anything everyone uses? And I almost gave up until I thought, milk right so regardless of what kind of milk you drink it comes in something that 
is waste. So plastic, tetra pack, something. And actually, the more you learn about recycling, the more you know that it's not a good system and we shouldn't be doing that at all. I know what it looks like, a, a visual thing, because young families talk about drinking pints of pints. milk. Yeah. So really, this could be a huge thing. So I asked some families around Glasgow. So I got a couple of sort of test families and I said, you guys are all families of four. Could you just count up how much milk you drink in a month and just let, let me know? And that's what they did. And I then thought, right, okay. So I've got this number in my head. I wonder what that is over a year. So I scaled it up and I thought, I wonder what that would look like because that's hundreds of bottles. That would tower me if I brought that on stage. So I, I asked my local community and um, the local church down the road. I was like, if you could all just collect your yeah. milk bottles, <laughs> drop them off at my parents' garage, that'd be ideal. Just chuck them in. I calculated a year's worth of milk for family four. And at the end I said, so here's my visual thing I want to show you. I want to show you that we all drink milk and we all drink a lot of it. And this is what it looks like a year's worth. At the end, I say, you know, all of this is from one family of four. So, so if you switch to glass bottles of milk, all of that's gone. So if you tell me individuals can't make a change, I say it can, it can save all that. Yeah. And if you don't think that's a lot, then I don't know what is a lot because it's towering over me. Yeah. And then I pull out from my back pocket, it's been there the whole time, this little tinfoil ball, which is like the foil caps that would have been the waste if you'd had the same amount in glass bottles. Yeah. So I was proving a point that visually one change can make all of this difference. And it was funny because in preparation for giving this talk, I got in touch with some Scottish dairies and I said, look, I'm going to do this talk. I'm guessing people are going to want to find out where they can get milk and glass bottles. Can I get your details? Can I put them all down so that people can find them? And one of the dairies actually who widely delivers across Scotland said, we were inundated with orders because people actually took the step and said, I'm going to do that. And it's all about setting people on a journey. So, you know, if a hundred families did that that day, that's a hundred times what I brought on stage being saved in, in just one year. And it's all about those small incremental changes and people actually saying, yeah, one straw is not a lot, but you know, a million people saving a straw is a lot or not one plastic bottle being saved, but actually a year's worth, you suddenly start to be able to pick up. Do you know, and I, I love it so much actually, because, you know, that's the thing that I think that people don't understand is the power of individual action. And I mean, just thinking about that example in itself, you know, you putting yourself out there to do the TED talk with your idea, your individual action has had such a, a sort of a ripple effect down the line. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that I think we need to remember is that we all have the power to, to do something, regardless of how big or small that is. And that can make a, a really big difference to the world. Absolutely. And we all have these spheres of influence and we all have the ability yeah. to change things. And actually, there's dairies across Scotland. There's been dairies who, at the beginning of my journey, we contacted to ask if they did glass and they said no, who have now got back in touch saying we've now changed because we've seen people shifting so to anyone who says individual change can't make a difference we need business change i say well to get business change you need individual change and to get government change you need business change and you need and so we, we all need to kind of step up to the plate a little bit and that's why i always say as well you've got the power over yourself you don't need to wait for anyone else you can just you can make the change just talking about your step to sort of zero waste, uh, there's a really funny moment in your TED talk where you sort of go to peer in the bathroom and like shut the door immediately and open the fridge and that kind of thing. Where was it that you started and what were the first kind of things that you, you swapped in and out? The way I started to do it, so instead of going cold turkey, I decided 
once something had finished or ran out, I would just try and find an alternative. I was really lucky in Edinburgh as a student, I was in walking distance of a zero waste shop. But other things, so my shampoo ran out, I switched to a shampoo bar. That was something that happened very early on. My mum got me one for Christmas. So that was one of the first swaps that I made. I then switched to a moon cup, so menstrual products. There's so many different reusable types. I then... The bathroom was one of the easiest places because I think there's more choice there. You're not limited to what's nearby. You can order a lot online. And that also made me feel really happy because you're positive because you're looking at the things that you've made a difference with. And then slowly it was adapting the way I shopped. So thinking about food, I just had to think to myself, what are the habits I need to get out of? So I need to stop relying on meal deal style things. I need to make more lunches. I can't get a meal deal without packaging. I just need to be more organized. So it was small steps like that, one at a time, not doing everything at once. And so it's just small things like that, but really I just did it with, when something runs out, that's when I switch it. I then started to do waste audits, which sounds really boring, but I would kind of keep my waste for two weeks. Even if I was out and about, if I had waste, I'd just bring it home. And then after two weeks, you just look at it and you just like, right, well, half my waste is, am I buying when I'm out and about? Can I find an alternative to it? So it's little things like that that were really helpful and it will also help other people target their waste better. I help run a plastic-free community, YRM, and that was one of the big things that we suggested was, it might sound funny, but actually look and see what's in your bin. Get it all out, tally it, and then you'll be able to see, right, yeah, actually bathrooms an area we can make a big difference, or it could be washing. Yeah. I think a, bit, a bin audit is a, is a really good idea. I know that you've been working on a project in lockdown to do with upcycling, which has yeah. been just so lovely to see the creativity. There's a sort of a larger piece, isn't there, about the fact that it's, you know, people think that recycling is the, is the sort of the only answer, but actually there are so many other R's. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the project, the partnership, and a little bit about why it's important that we don't just rely on recycling. I think there's this idea we need to get in our heads, which is we are the last line of defence before any waste is created in our house. I think one of the things which... People in general are bad at. If something's broken, it's cheaper to replace it than to repair it. Or actually that thing is not of any value to me anymore. So I don't need it, I'm gonna throw it away. Because we are very lucky that when we do throw something away, it goes away, it, it disappears. And while I've been in lockdown, that's been something that's been very apparent to us because we are spending more time in our house. I'm back with my mum and dad, which is great. This is a time now for us all to be fixing things, to be learning small skills you know we don't need to we don't need to upskill ourselves massively we don't need that pressure but we can change the way that we look at our possessions so there is an organization in scotland called zero waste scotland does what it says on the tin but they have this organization under them called revolve reuse which is all about second hand and it's this kind of accreditation to say that it's high quality stuff as well. But they were wanting to encourage people to upcycle and repair and do all of these different projects. So we took on this challenge and I wanted to encourage people to upcycle something in their house. And I said, you know, there's a hundred pound voucher in it for someone, but actually I just want to see what people get up to. I want to see some ideas. People making quilts from scrap pieces of fabric, people turning a CD rack into a shelving unit, flower pot covers and all these different types of things. And it was really inspiring to see people actually taking up the challenge. And so for us in our house, you know, we took this weekend, we took a wooden pallet and turned it into a deck chair. Eight hours I will never get back of my life. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, 
and even small things like mending my jeans that were torn between the legs and it's about saying to people you know actually we've got a lot of power in our own homes to do that and it's fighting the urge of trying to get new it's actually just saying what we've got in our homes is amazing and when I put on my pair of jeans that I've mended I feel good I feel like I've done something productive with these they're gonna last so it's always about kind of like teasing that out of people extending the life of things as you say and just making sure that like if they must go to waste actually we have exhausted all possible uses before one of my personal favorites was actually the um the little squirrel picnic table that thing is so cute so this was it was my grandparents neighbors and made this little squirrel bench that is now cute cute. (laughs) it's adorable so why is that not a thing like that should be a thing everywhere everywhere i I might put them to work i'm like we could sell these come on guys yeah Something that um, I know that you've mentioned a few times is church and Christianity. And I also wondered whether that was a sort of a conscious decision in terms of choosing to work for Tear Fund, which I know is a, a sort of a Christian organisation which aims to alleviate poverty. And I think you're working in over 50 countries. W- would that be fair to say? Yeah, definitely. So my journey was I grew up in a Christian household, went to church. Um, and when I went away to university, I had a bit of a rocky faith. But one of the things that regardless of that journey, I never really felt like the church or any religion spoke about the world or caring for the world in, in a really black and white way. Everybody knows the Genesis story. But I think my faith plays an integral role in my journey. It's first of all where I get hope for in our world in the caring for this creation that was gifted to us but it's also the fact that throughout the bible we hear about injustices so throughout from genesis to revelation and what you hear about in the bible is god responding to that so sending prophets or sending his son jesus christ to deal with that injustice and one of the things that i started to realize which is kind of like my journey started off with plastics and that was it And now it's more about people and the world and this more holistic view. And actually, climate change, plastic pollution, all of these things are massive injustices because it's people who contribute least to all of these things are the ones affected the most. The work of Tear Fund is all about helping people in poverty. And the countries that we work in are being affected by these things, are being affected by plastic producers like Coca-Cola and Nestle selling to them and they don't have any waste management. It's about these countries being on the front line of climate change and having no defence or even understanding of why this is happening. I believe as a Christian, it's part of my discipleship to be seeking out injustice. And that means living that way. So living a sacrificial life in many ways to be better to the world, to the environment, to people across the planet. That has been something that has held me through the whole thing. And actually a lot of the work that I've felt really proud by but also some of the people that I've enjoyed getting on board has been churches and has been these big groups of people because I can almost say to them you guys are a whole sphere of influence like come on with us and interestingly I did some work with the Church of England actually the Archbishop of Canterbury every Lent releases a book so he commissions a book from an author different every year and he commissions a book and Across the Church of England, this book is normally studied during Lent and across the world in the different dioceses that fit with the Church of England. This year, it was written by an author called Ruth Valerio. She works for Tear Fund, actually, but she is an environmental theologian and she has a passion for this stuff. And it's called Saying Yes to Life. And what it's about is 
the environment and caring for it and creation care and seeking out this injustice. And so this year, this Lent, 16,000 churches across the Church of England were looking at this book and reading about this. And so it's actually amazing to even see institutions like the church acting as well, along with everyone else and going on this journey of sustainability. Um, but for me, it's been integral. It's been an integral part of my journey. Oh, what a, and what a fantastic opportunity to be part of such a project. And again, it goes back to this idea of circle of influence and tapping into you know, your networks and who you have around you. No, that's, that's really lovely to hear. Something that I also wanted to talk about in terms of injustice was I actually read a post that you had done for Society Zero about why the environment is a feminist issue. I loved it because it opened my eyes to sort of a, a new way of thinking. I wonder if you could sort of just briefly summarise like what the article is about. And for people who maybe haven't seen the environment as a feminist issue, just give us a brief understanding of, of what it is that, um, that we should be looking out for and why it is a feminist issue. I think we can even make it broader and say that the environmental movement, a lot of the time people think of trees and icebergs and very physical parts of this world, but actually the environmental movement, the climate, climate change, all of these things are impacting on minorities and indigenous people and people who are already under oppression across the world. And so to take the environment as a feminist issue is because actually the detrimental impact from environmental change is pushing vulnerable, particularly women, further into that vulnerability. So whether that is physical displacement of people, whether that is pushing vulnerable people into um, more vulnerable work, like the environmental crisis is having an impact on women who are being trafficked. All of these issues come down to who is actually being oppressed the most already and who cannot fight this. And that's why we need to look at this movement with a whole different number of lenses. We need to look at it not just as polar bears on an iceberg, but actually who are the people at the front of this? Who are the countries that are being placed in this position and don't have a way out of it without our help or without us alleviating some of the stresses that we put on them. I guess that blog was, was really just challenging people to say actually the environmental movement is not something that has been placed in my heart as a passion. It should be everyone's passion. It should be everyone's because if you are a feminist or if you have a heart for refugees or getting people out of trafficking work, you should also have a passion for this environmental movement because this is a huge thing that is going to be playing a role in their lives if it's not already. And so it's really a teaser into getting people to think differently about this movement and get people to think differently about actually who, who is vulnerable right now. And that's, I guess, what is so nice about your platform is that you can challenge ways of thinking and encourage people to look at the problems in, in different perspectives. It's lovely to have that challenged. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I enjoy about my page is that I'm not standing up saying, here's all of the things that you need to buy to become sustainable and to be green and be better. I'm actually saying we can all be sustainable by just doing what we already do, keeping a hold of the things we have, using the stuff that's already in our homes and actually being sustainable is about a mindset change. And it's just about changing the way we think 
And it's then realising that the biggest change we can make is through the way we vote, through the way we have conversations with people, through the way we spend our money, rather than you just need to buy all this stuff. And that's what I'm here to tell you. Because that actually circles quite nicely. We had a question from a listener and she said, do you think that you have to be a certain age to, in order to start reducing your waste? If you could give us, say, your top three tips for young people, maybe this is also applicable to older people as well. I would say there's... No, well, no time better than the present to start. Yeah. And I would also say the younger you start, the less baggage you have collected. So when I moved away to uni, I came back for a summer before doing my master's. And I came back and thought, I've been away for four years and my room is full of stuff. Yeah. I've not lived in this room for four years yet. This room is filled with things. And I knew that as soon as I started going through it, I would get sentimental and start wanting to hold up. But actually, it's just stuff I'd accumulated. And so I would say you are never too young to start. And also, your age is amazing. You can, you can challenge people who are older than you. You can challenge your parents, your guardians, your family, your friends and say, why do we live the way we do? Why do we buy the things that we do? I want to do it differently. And children in general, they just ask things black and white. Why is the world it is? Why is the world the way it is? And actually it's great because you have to, as adults, we have to answer to that. Tip number one is just start implementing tips already. Lifestyle habits. So just think about what you want to do. Maybe that is, think about fashion, maybe practice how to sew now. I don't know, but think about the habits you can create now. Start making the habits now. So don't wait until you've moved out of your house to start doing it. Actually challenge your parents while you're there. Tip number two is always do the waste audit. It's one of the best things to do because... If you want to reduce your waste and make an impact on the world or yourself or whoever, you're only going to do that if you target what you're doing. The third tip is genuinely almost have an audit of what you look at on social media. Constantly consume with our eyes. So what we scroll through, I think a lot of people, and this also stems into this, a lot of people advocate for mental health reasons for like getting time away from social media. When you're on there, if I see something, not that it makes me unhappy because it's challenging, it's good to be challenged, but if I see something that's making me upset and is not helpful, I remove it, right? So if that's a person or a platform or a brand, it goes because it's not helpful. And you have ads and ads and ads of influencers selling you fast fashion or selling you unsustainable ideas, just take them away. You have so much power just to be able to unfollow them. You can almost do that in two parts. Number one, remove the things that aren't helpful. But number two, find people that inspire you. Look through hashtags like charity shop finds or hashtag sustainable living or whatever it might be. Give them a follow. Learn some tips. So I have recently filled my page up with gardening people because I'm trying to garden and I want to just unconsciously like fill myself up with that. I think it's such a nice idea, actually, because of this idea that Instagram is associated with, you know, perfect feeds of people, whether that's, you know, traveling or perfect houses or that kind of thing. I think it really does come down to finding or just thinking about where your passion lies. And again, I think that's helpful for your first tip, you know, when you were saying about, you know, if it's fashion that you like, think about ethical, low waste, slow fashion advocates, or it's even like someone who's a writer or something, you know you just have to be a little bit creative and I, I think it's such a lovely idea to create this sort of Instagram space that is supportive again and, and, and boosts you. We're coming to kind of the end. Self-care is something that I really like to talk about and I think that it should be sort of talked about more widely because lots of people practice self-care in lots of different ways. So I was wondering if you had any top tips for self-care um, and what, what do you do? Well, I've gone on an interesting journey with this because uh -huh. I think 
self-care and self-love were two things quite combined for me and when I started seeing them all um, it was quite have a bubble bath eat a piece of cake have a glass of wine if you're old enough or your takeaway right that was the sort of self-love self-care and particularly last year um in the beginning I sort of was like treat yourself that was me that was what I was doing <laughs> um, and I actually think my self-love so I went on this journey where actually my self-love was not self-care because I gained a lot of weight I felt unfit and that's something that I've had to have a mindset shift of so now for me self-care which is important because I need to care for myself is actually going for a run I would never have thought going for a run was something I would do going for a wee half an hour jog a wee 5k when I started I would walk a bit I would be out of breath I would take 45 minutes but now I'm feeling fitter I'm nowhere near Usain Bolt or anyone else but actually that's something I enjoy so we run I am enjoying doing tasks that completely lose me in time so gardening has been something that you go to do it and three hours later you pop out and you don't see that the time has gone doing that DIY stuff stuff with my hands I didn't think I was a creative person but I like doing things outside in the world even if it's a bit of a mess but actually I enjoy that so my self-care has been very much helpful distractions of productivity but looking different each time one of the things I've been enjoying recently has been exploring food. So ever since I, I did my master's, which I moved, um, so I started that in 2018 and we got a veg box and it had this sort of local seasonal produce and turns out, oh my goodness, the winter months in Scotland are just full of like, <laughs> which is so depressing. However, it's actually really nice to learn how to cook differently and express creativity through ethical choices of what to buy and sustainable choices and so I think I have little practices that I like to do but it's taken on a really healthy perspective actually now really productive things that help me escape into you know because I'm not on my phone if I'm on a run I'm not on my phone if I'm knee deep in soil trying to plant some potatoes you know yeah. and so I think my self-love self-care has ended up definitely on one spectrum which for me has been really healthy and I feel a lot better. It's a lovely perspective, isn't it? Um, and I also love the idea about creativity. So many people tell themselves that they're not creative. Yeah, I, I really, really love that idea. Quick fire one, uh, personal hero of yours? I mean, it's so sad if you do David Attenborough. Like, it's too cliche, it's too cliche but I would just have to go for it because especially with international friends who don't know him yet you're like oh, I'm about to introduce you to somebody who is a British like absolute gem. What about a favourite quotation or a mantra is there anything that you you live by? I think there's been something that actually it's, it's part of the bible that's actually been helping me recently and it's in one of the gospels in Matthew's gospels and it's chapter six if anyone wants to read it but it's got this part about not worrying but it's really interesting because it, it talks about you know the birds don't worry about where they're next meal is going to come from they just sing and are out there and the flowers bloom without worrying and actually it's about not worrying but it's using nature as examples of that that's and that's so something funny. particularly in lockdown because I've been finding the small joys in watching spring from my kitchen window or you know being able to take that one or no two walks a day yeah um, yeah I think for for me it's definitely probably finding it finding it in that um, in that passage and just as a final question what would you like people to take away from, from your story and your, and your journey so far? We do need systems change and we do need business change, but 
honestly the power of an individual is huge I mean I don't ever want to use myself as an example but it, it is an example by saying that two years ago I decided to do this thing and now I'm sitting on zoom chatting to somebody two and a half years later about it and it's just amazing that anyone if you're passionate about something you can make a huge impact and you've all got a sphere so never ever ever feel like you can't make a difference yourself and you'll always be influencing people no matter if you can see it or not yeah, wise words Laura thank you so much for joining me today um, I'll make sure Laura's details social media details and, and your website as well are, are in the show notes are you happy for people to get in touch with you like that absolutely yeah yeah fantastic well thank you so much for your time thank you it's been so great to chat with you Oh my gosh, what another fantastic episode and isn't Laura just such a star? I really, really loved our conversation. So many fantastic takeaways and, you know, something I really like this idea of is being a little bit more conscious with our Instagram feeds and checking in and making sure the kind of people that we're following are inspiring us and and I think that's so important because it should be a place of inspiration rather than a place that can cause you anxiety or stress. So that's a challenge that I set to all of you. Go through your Instagram feeds and have the confidence to unfollow people who don't fit your vibe anymore and start following pages that inspire you, whether that's, I don't know, starting a fantastic new hobby, an inspiring destination you want to go to, or a way of living. I think we should really challenge ourselves to use our Instagram feeds as a place of inspiration. So let me know if you accept the challenge. I'm keen to hear from you all. And as always, if you have any thoughts, any comments, any queries, guests, please do get in contact with us on our Instagram page. We're always really excited to hear from you. So until next week, it's been a pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening and see you soon.